Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. It's 2023, April the 14th, and the US intelligence leaks story has received some developments over the last 36 or so hours that are of quite some interest. This audio is a companion to uh, the most recent article with the uh, extended title of The Plot Thickens. So, first of all, the details about what's happened, and then a summary of the legacy media narrative, and then a recitation of my analysis as published in that paper, and then finally, some consideration of the wider analyses that can be drawn from this. I actually think that this event is a really nice and quite compact window into the power politics within the US uh, political system. So I think it's a it's a nice window. So if you if you take the time to look into it, you'll get echoes of a lot of other major events in US power politics. There are echoes of a whole lot of things like the JFK assassination for example. Anyway, so what's happened? First part is an article by the Washington Post in which they claim to have met up with a person who was a friend of the individual who's been fingered as being the source of the leaks. They published an article with this, links are in the article, uh, and in that are included uh, a couple of uh, audio segments where with video, you know, the person's behind a screen because they're underage, they have to get the permission of the parents, blah, 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 blah. So you get to hear who this friend of OG, the uh, purported whistleblower slash person who was publishing these classified documents on the initial uh, Discord server. So that comes out, and then some hours later, the FBI, who've been tasked with you know finding this nasty individual who's publishing classified information, uh, arrest this gentleman, uh, Jack uh, Chisera, so forth. Anyway, that's included. Two references to the arrest are also included in the article. So there's this period, and during this period, so first of all, a couple of days beforehand, Judge Napolitano uh, interviews um, Tony Anthony Schaffer, who 9-11 researchers will remember because he was working for the Defence Intelligence Agency at the time and had identified, I think, two of the three claimed terrorist cells that were going to hijack planes on the day and so forth. So he's a, if you've done that sort of research, you'll know who this dude is. So there's an interview with him on the 11th, and that's before the WAPO article comes out, you know, naming this OG, or not naming, but fingering this OG and then having the interview with the supposed friend. So that's before. And then we have on the on the date of the 12th or 13th, I can't remember, we have first of all an interview with Larry Johnson by Judge Napolitano. And then following that, after the arrest, so the arrest occurs between the, the last two interviews um, with uh, Colonel McGregor. So Schaefer basically says that this this has got, you know, internal written all over it. It's sufficiently high-level stuff that there's no way that this could have been done by some, you know, army, sorry, air, national guardsmen, whatever, at some military base. It's no damn way that's possible. 
Um, and he suggests that the narrative that's being constructed is going to be used to um, demand more aid towards uh, Ukraine in the form of you know cash and military equipment and so forth. So that's that's his idea. Then uh, with Johnson, uh, his beef uh, with the narrative is that based upon two documents that he's he's, he's looked at for all the docs he can find of this leaked stuff, and he says he can only find 12, not 100 or 300 or whatever. Anyway, two of them. One of them has uh, is listed as coming from a CIA uh, security center or whatever it's called um, uh, with the equivalent of a top secret. Right? And these are completely internal CIA documents. They never go anywhere except up the intelligence chain, i.e. to the def probably not the defense intel, probably around them directly to the office of the director of uh, national intelligence. So this is extremely exclusive information. There's no way, and he says, you'll never find this anywhere around the world in any US military base anywhere ever. So that's his first point. The second one is a document which receives a Pfizer classification. So Pfizer is the act, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, and has there's a court, the, the FIS court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, uh, and there's a document which has a classification under the Pfizer Act, and therefore it's a product of the Department of Justice. And again, there's no bloody way you're going to find documents like this at a military base. They have no need to know. It's irrelevant, and they shouldn't know. So this leads Johnson to conclude that the source of the compendium, the Daily Digest, which contains all of these reports within it, must have come from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. So that's his position. And he surmises also that there is there's a faction uh, at this level that is unhappy with current US foreign policy. Um, both in Ukraine and possibly also with the broad rhetoric that's going on around with China. So that's Larry's position. And then we have Colonel McGregor's position. And he is doesn't get too deeply involved in the plot. His thing is that it's obvious that the uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Milley, and also the Secretary of Defence, Austin, have been lying to both the Congress and the people. And he's pissed off about this, fair enough. You know, he's a bit of a principled guy, rare though they be. So read the article if you want to know more about what he's got to say. But So you've got these three people with slightly different analyses, but they're all of them are rejecting the narrative that, that the legacy media are running. So I set myself a challenge. I said, all right, can I come up with a scenario in which all of the above are at least partially valid? So, all right, let's accept that the, the interview with the uh, friend of OG, or Tishera, let's assume he's telling the truth, like all of it. It's like, accept it as done. So, I try and construct that, and then also embrace elements of the, each of the three, of Shaffer, Johnson, and McGregor. And so I outline uh, a scenario where all of that is actually valid. And it goes like this. Let's assume that OG or Teixeira is actually obtaining some low-level classified documents at the military base that he's working at. And he recognises that the US government is lying to the people, he gets pissed off about this, and he's formed this little Discord server group where a bunch of gamers and people interested in military hardware gather and 
interact and so forth. And he starts telling them about these things that he's learning. First of all, having just read the documents and sort of memorizing them and then writing them out and explaining acronyms and giving this as in a form of text to the community. He then, uh, as claimed in the WIPO article, gets frustrated by a lack of engagement uh, in with all the work he's doing and he just says, oh, fuck it. You know, I'll just photograph this stuff and not put in all the work. So then you end up with a situation where he's removing the documents from the military base, theoretically, right? And there are photographs that are taken and there are claims that on around the edges you can see, you know, like it looked like a bed or a, or a backlit keyboard. Or, so it's obviously in his abode that, he's, that these photographs are being taken, or at least that's what we're led to believe. So that's the next phase and then what happens is this um, cross-posting so someone within the group begins taking the some of these images and posting them in a lot on a larger discord server or server with a larger community with minecraft players lots much wider distribution and then some cross-posting happens from there to other places and it ends up on twitter and then the media find out and off we go so i go all right imagine if before the cross-posting to the second Discord server happens, the military or the NSA or the CIA or anyway, someone find out that OG is submitting or providing information about classified intelligence to the initial Discord server. Well, if that's happening, it's a pretty serious thing. So it's going to be it's going to be taken very seriously, and it's going to be very carefully controlled too, because this is potentially very embarrassing. So you want to handle it carefully, and that means that it goes up the chain. How do we handle this? And my supposition, this is the next thing you meant to assume, is that the people who are eventually involved in leaking the far higher classified um, information find out about this, and this is fantastic for them. It's a gift. They've got a patsy. They've got someone they can frame. So what they do, of course, is form a little task force uh, with people probably from the CIA and NSA. And if, and this is uh, asserted in the WAPO article, there are elements of the initial small community of 25-odd people. There has to, if there's only one of them, that is not a USA citizen, then the NSA can decrypt all the traffic and the CIA can get involved too. Foreign intelligence, right? All good. So they map out the entire group and put them under constant 24-hour digital surveillance, all of them. And this allows them to spot when the first cross-posting happens, right? So they'll know. I think it's also possible that they could have done it themselves. But if it just sort of comes along, it's like, that's perfect. Then you've got all you need, right? So then the the people who want to release this information because they're so pissed off with US foreign policy have got all the green lights they need. So they can then, they decide, how do we inject the higher classified information into this this information flow, right? Do we give it to OG? Do we put it on his Discord server under his name? Uh, Do we um, put it on the second Discord server under the name of the person who did the cross-posting or do they just dump it there? Whatever, they've got a whole bunch of options. All they have to do is get the the higher classified information which portrays how badly things are going in Ukraine all I've got to do is get that data in there and then they have to light the fuse they have to get the the media to pay attention to it and that's where Bellingcat comes in who are essentially a cutout for US intelligence and all the CIA right they're a they're funded by you know government the two governments and the foreign and commonwealth 
office and the State Department or whatever, right? So they're a complete intelligence cutout. So they are the ones who light the fuse, putting out the narrative about the Discord servers and so forth, which may well be complete bullshit, right? But it's, it works much better if it's not, right? This is what, that's why if this was really happening, it's a gift to these people, right? Patsy and information delivery channel, perfect. So this is my contention that the group that finally release the very sensitive classified information find out about in the early stages at the first Discord server level, and then they can map out the entire thing and it's absolutely a vehicle for delivery. So then they, the higher level people can you know, introduce all the high level materials, whatever. So therefore we have all of it, right? So Schaefer's correct, it's high level people that are doing this. Uh, Johnson is correct. It had to have come from a very high level, as in the Office of uh, the Director of National Intelligence, because they're the only people who can get both of these sorts of things, the CIA internal documents and the uh, Pfizer classification documents. So he's correct as well. And then same with Colonel McGregor, you know, that Secretary of Defense and, and um, uh, whatever have been lying both to the Congress and the people, right? So it's all correct, all of it. Even parts of the bullshit story are correct. This, so that, that's my supposition. So now let's have a little think about what we can learn from this and how it echoes other uh, contentious episodes in uh, the power politics of the United States. Now, you're going to have to bear with me a bit here because I'm going to go on a bit of a, uh, about a pet topic, uh, about a gentleman by the name of... Smedley Darlington Butler, a man of good Quaker stock. Uh, he uh, joined the US Marines, and in the end, when he retires, he's the most highly decorated Marine of all time, Major General Smedley Butler. Uh, to this day, I think he's only one of one or two people who ever got this, a combination of, of sort of medals, right? So he's got two separate... Um, Congressional Medals of Honor for different uh, actions. And he's also got the Brevet Medal, which nobody knows about. It was the highest Marine Corps award, right? So serious dude. So there are a couple of events in which he was involved, which are very, very significant. One of which is uh, in the early 30s during the Depression, soldiers who'd fought in the First World War on behalf of the USA were given uh, bonus pay. And that was meant to be paid later on. And they, they turn up in Washington, D.C., set up an encampment and demand to have their money now because, you know, it's the Depression. And, and Butler turns up and gives a wonderful speech to them at their encampment. And this is beautifully documented by James Corbett. He did a, a wonderful revised version of episode 123. You'll find links to this throughout my publications. Just search for... Smedley Butler, site, colon, yesxornode.substack.com. You'll find plenty, plenty of links to this sort of stuff. Or go straight to um, corbettreport.com and look him up there. So that's the first. The next one is what is known generally as the business plot, which essentially is uh, an attempted fascist coup in the US in the 30s, as this sort of fascist stuff is going on in Europe. And they, the, plot, the coup leaders want him to be the leader, right? Because he could gather around him hundreds of half a million um, uh, former soldiers or current soldiers because he's so revered by certainly the Marine Corps. 
So he's chosen as the sort of leader of this coup. He plays along with them, finds out all about it, and then exposes the bastards. So, you know, <laughs> quite a man. The, the third part, which I wish, which is relevant to what we're talking about now, is he issues a pamphlet called War is a Racket, in which he basically lays out that the US military is essentially the thugs for the business, US business leaders, right? So they act as sort of, yeah, thugs, hitmen, whatever, for uh, the sort of mafia, which is the US um, business leaders. So, and he makes this lovely quote where uh, some some mafia leader, Al Capone or whatever, was you know had had run a racket across you know three states in the U.S. and he says I did it across three continents, <laughs> which is true. So, so that's the first thing to understand that the U.S. military, whilst within it there are many honourable men, the way in which it is used by the political leadership is in many situations as a, an enforcement arm for essentially um, U.S. corporate mafia. That's really what's happening. And if you look at um, uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, you'll see exactly the same sort of themes emerge 50 years later. So how does that relate to what we're talking about now? Well, I wouldn't say that the, the war in Ukraine is terribly much about um, business racketeering, partially because they're buying up land and, and, you know, this is the agricultural, the agro-business people, you know, getting involved in this very fertile land. So that's part of it. But I really think it's a, it's a geopolitical game, as, you know, Austin and, and Sleepy Joe have admitted. They're trying to, you know, force a regime change in Russia, uh, and that failed because the economic sanctions failed. And now what's happening is they've got themselves a little bit caught because Russia has actually got a very effective military-industrial production base and they're able to maintain this 1,000-kilometre-long front line and keep fighting this battle. And as Colonel McGregor mentioned in his interview, when they recognised that the, the West, NATO, was not going to allow a negotiated settlement after the first you know, couple of months of the conflict, that they were in for a long haul... And McGregor says that Russia immediately started planning for a 30-month campaign. So they've ramped up their production base. They've, they called 300,000 um, reservists to sign up, and they got another 80,000 volunteers. So they're all set. to They can do this till the cows come home, basically. And the problem is that, the, that Ukraine, even with the backing of all of NATO, can't because they don't have the production capacity to maintain this. So that's the trouble that we're in. So I don't know that this is exactly analogous to the war as a racket thing, but it's partially, that's partially there. So the next thing to look at is the JFK assassination. And if you've looked into that, I expect that you will have come to the conclusion that there are multiple levels uh, involved. So you've certainly got the CIA and Alan Dulles and so forth, but there's also a conglomeration of business leaders involved in this too, who approve of it, or at least, yeah, approve of it, but don't want to be directly involved. So you have this this collection of different power factions in the USA that are involved in this. And I think the most perfect is the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. 
in which we know that there were there were army snipers involved. We know that the FBI was involved. We know that the um, there were business leaders involved, the banks essentially. So you've got another situation where collections of power groups within the United States of America are involved in this assassination. And if you want to learn more about it, the expert on the topic is Dr. William Pepper. And that's Pepper spelled P-E-P-P-E-R. He represented the King family in the US courts where the jury ruled that this was a conspiracy. It was not a lone nut, just as in the case of JFK. It was a conspiracy. So MLK, JFK, these are really these are great windows into the power dynamics. And I believe that this particular intelligence leak is another one, whereby you get a view into what's going on. So you've got some elements within the military and intelligence communities who are patriots. And they see, they first of all are very worried about where the spring offensive and potentially also the war rhetoric around China is going to lead to. Not good. Second of all, there's a whole bunch of corruption going on, which we know about from the Hunter Biden appointment to the Board of Burisma and all this other. And we know the CIA knows that the 35 generals and Zelensky himself are skimming off the top, 400 you know, million, according to Cy Hirsch's most recent article, etc., etc. So there's plenty, and there's all these people being killed, like a whole generation of young Ukrainians are dying for nothing at a kill ratio of seven to one. Right, which means that the Russians are definitely going to win and there's nothing they can do and it's a fucking busted ass. So why the fuck are we doing it? So you can understand why a collection of patriots would want to somehow end this stupidity and injecting this highly classified information into the media is a way of putting sufficient political pressure on these idiots. It's not Biden. Biden's is dumb as a doornail by this stage, it's Blinken and Sullivan and Newland, right? This level, who are just blind idiots. Whether, I mean, who's making money? That's another story, but obviously some of them are. And obviously these, you know, freaking kleptocratic oligarchs in the Ukraine are too, right? And all this other tragedy is happening and it's not going to achieve anything. So you can understand why they would get pissed off. So whether the scenario that I've laid out is accurate or not, who knows? We'll find out over time. But but I, I, it was sort of a fun effort to try and, all right, how can this all be correct? How can this all be possible? So that's the idea of, of the article. Um, and as I said, keep an eye on this topic and watch where it goes, because I think it will be another really useful window into the power dynamics that are, that are within the US system, right? So anyway, there it is. I uh, hope you enjoy uh, the little article series as it's now become, becoming. And um, catch you next time. Mm-hmm.